Welcome back to Corn Syrup. I'm Mike. I'm Tyler. I bet you guys didn't know that that theme for Corn Syrup is done by Hans Zimmer. That's true, man. Yeah, we pay him the big bucks here. Yeah, uh, we, we didn't have much of a budget, but that's where every single penny went. Yeah, well, I've lost a lot of money in my lawsuit to Chelsea. Uh, I had my lawyers come at her hard, yeah. uh, which I won, so we won't be seeing her no more. But the ratings were good for her, and you guys did a great job, but um, I'm taking my job back. Thanks, Chelsea. Happy to have you back, man. We're, we're recording in a in a new studio here, a new location. State of the art. We are in Quakertown, home of Quaker Oatmeal. Good to be back, man. We uh, This is our first episode together of 2021. It's been a while. It has been a while. But thanks to everyone who listened to the episode last week with Chelsea and I about Psycho. We had a good time breaking down the original and the pointless ad. Have you ever seen that remake? The 1998 one? Yeah, it, it, it's really pointless. Uh, I think I think you guys cover it well, but yeah. I don't appreciate the Vera Miles slander. Uh, she's a fucking gem, and she's still alive, so she could I be. Listen- she's ninety years old, so um, I pray to God that she wasn't listening. I, Poor Vera, I you guys did, are assholes. I heard I heard she's a big podcast fan, but she yeah, is. I um, <laughs> I, I looked that up after we recorded. She's got to be like the only one that's still alive from that. It has to be. I mean, what's that? Uh, Sixty years ago. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun with it. I. I know I saw the Psycho remake, like, when I was a kid. I feel like you and I probably watched it together. It was always on, like, Encore and stuff. We were born at a time where, you know, I think that's... I think we saw that one before we saw the original, which is a damn shame. I remember watching, yeah, the 1998... I think my mom got it at Blockbuster. We all watched it probably when I was, like, 9 or 10. And I remember even her saying, this is exactly like the 1960, and she's by no you know, means a film critic, but yeah. unlike me and you. <laughs> but um, yeah, the 1960 obviously blows it out of the water. I don't think the 1998 version even tried to be better. I don't think it, it just, it just it's Point, pointless. Pointless is the best word. Like, I don't even, I know I said it a couple times on the podcast, but like, I don't know how that movie got funded other than Gus Van Sant was a pretty. I don't even know why he did it. And I, I know you guys yeah. mentioned he was coming off Goodwill Hunting, like best picture of 1997, and he just does that. And I know you guys had a problem with the acting. I actually think the acting is actually really good in that movie. Yeah. I, I do like Viggo Mortensen and Julianne Moore, who are like perennial Oscar winners like nowadays. Um, and Hesch is obviously not that great. Uh, Vince Vaughn is okay. I'm not going to shit on him too much. Um, I actually just caught Freaky uh, on demand, uh, starring him. I don't know who else is in that movie. Uh, it was really good, though. Uh, yeah. I, I recommend it to all of our listeners. It's a good horror comedy. Uh, it's from the same guy who did uh, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day 2. It has the same feel, yeah. but it's radar, so you get a lot more gore. The kills are really fucking good in that movie. Um, it's entertaining, and I recommend Freaky. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. Like, I, I like. I mean, I like. I like Vince Vaughn a lot. Yeah, there's I, no one that really hates Vince Vaughn. Yeah, and like when he did that movie at the beginning of his career, like it kind of seems like a career suicide, you know. So for yeah. him to come back, so what? Like, I mean, he was in like the mid '90s. He was in Swingers with John Farrow, which is like yeah. a cult comedy, I guess right. you could, if you want to call it that. And then he was in uh, Jurassic Park Two was yeah. like a big blockbuster for him. Right. So. I don't know. It just seemed like at the time it was. I, I, you have a good point. I mean, it was a risky move by him, probably in that sense. But like, it's almost like you know, even him and Anne Hash at the time. I mean, what were at best B list actors, right? 
So it was just kind of strange. And Hash was freaking awful. Yeah, I don't think the chemistry with them comes close. It, it doesn't light a candle to uh, Anthony Perkins and... Oh, yeah. Who is it? Uh, Janet Lee, of course. Janet Lee, yeah. Jamie, Janet Lee. Jamie Lee's mother. Yeah. Um, let's get into some horror news, and there's not a whole lot out there. We'll, we'll, we'll brush through. Uh, there are some new images of Halloween kills floating around the, the old interwebs. And uh, one picture is pretty cool. I don't, I don't, like, I'm not one to get too excited over still images, right. you, know, you know, but, like, the, the one picture of him standing outside, I guess that, obviously, that would be uh, mm. Laurie Strode's house after he escapes from the basement. Pretty cool picture. Yeah, um, I like his mask. It's, like, melting almost. Yeah. So, I guess that will be his mask for the next two movies. I hope they don't pull, like, a Rob Zombie by, like, the third movie where he barely even has a mask because that mask is beat to shit. But, um, yeah, he looks really good. Uh, mm-hmm. James Drew Courtney, you know, he proved in the last movie he's one of the best Michael Myers. Yeah. He just looks the part. He's got the right body, the, uh, the body size type. Yeah. Uh, the mask looks great. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to him. Tell you what, my expectations for that movie are pretty high, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on record saying I think critics won't like this one as much, but I think true Halloween fans will actually like it more. I don't really have, like, a re- reason behind that. It's just it's more of a gut thing. Yeah. That's just that's just the way I feel though. Yeah, I think Halloween 2018 starts off uh, really slow. We really don't get much action until like a half hour in. I yeah. think with this, it's going to start right away. He's going to bust out of that fiery house. I think he's going to kill a couple of firefighters because in the picture, his weapon is like a firefighter tool. Yeah, I, I forget what they know what it's called. Forget what they call it, but it, yeah, it's it's the thing that firefighters use to to, to break glass. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of more. And I don't get what Jamie Lee Curtis's plan was at the end of 18. Like she's been playing 40 years to kill him, and then she burns the house down, not thinking that they're going to put the fire out. Like yeah, it's just a, it's just like another small gripe I have with Halloween 2018. Yeah, well, you and I have a lot. I think you and I have a lot more criticisms with that movie than what most people. Maybe not. I'm so picky with it. I was watching it with my fiance, and I'm just telling her how I think it's like the fourth or best in the franchise, and she's like, "No, it's clearly the second best." Yeah. Like you know, because I don't think she. Because she doesn't have the film critic eye like I do, obviously, but <laughs> no. Nah, um, but see, that, I can that see is, why it's the second best, why yeah. some people would think that. But for me, it's clearly in the middle. So the quality is fantastic. I think, that's, uh, yeah. I think that's where, like... Especially with a $10 million budget, you know, with yeah. Halloween Resurrection, I think, had like $15 million. David Gordon Green did a really good job with that budget to make it look like, you know, state-of-the-art picture, I guess. It's, yeah. And um, I just watched it the other night on FX. Uh, it's it's on you know basic TV now. After what two almost two years of it yeah. coming to theaters, like do you remember when we were kids and a movie would be out in theaters and it feel and it felt like it would take like four years to come out to TV? Yeah, dude. Now it's you know now within two years it's on TV. Yeah, it's different these days. But yeah, check out the new images uh, for Halloween Kills that comes out October. Do you know the date, Mike? No. Nah, it doesn't matter. Comes out in October. That's all you need to know. Halloween, Halloween time. And, Look it uh, up your damn self. <laughs> anxiously awaiting that bad boy. Should have should have been here by now if it wasn't for uh... Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's get into our episode. We're uh, our theme today: winter isolation movies. And uh, we didn't really plan it this way, but we have like a like a bigger budget classic movie, and then we have this little bitty budget movie that Sundance movie that I didn't even know what it was until Mike told me Mike has a what went what, what into that movie first it's called Frozen it's, it's from, called Frozen yes yeah, made in 2013 starring Kristen Bell it's made yeah. by Disney so, uh, it's a little it made, it made over a billion dollars small, no, no. small little flick let me check my notes that's the wrong movie this movie was actually made in 2010 yeah 
But I tried searching this movie, you know, on my Comcast, you know, my uh, voice command remote, and I couldn't find it, and it just kept coming up, the 2013 Frozen. So I actually had to, you know, say an actor's name. Yeah. I, I think I said Sean Ashmore. That's a good I one. finally yeah. found this movie. Right. Yeah, it's, um, again, I never heard of it up until, you know, we started planning this little winter isolation series, and we will have a part two coming out in about a month. But yeah, I... And it's I, not like it's a bunch of nobodies. It's a yeah. decent cast, you know? Yeah, a decent cast. Uh, we have Sean Ashmore, who I think is pretty good in the movie. Right, he's um, from The Following and X-Men. Mm-hmm. Did, did you watch The Following when it was out? Was that is that the show with Kevin That's Bacon? That's with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it it seemed like when that came out, like everybody and their mother was watching that show. I think I watched the. I think like a lot of people, I watched the first season and then just never went back to it. Yeah, I think that's what I did. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those shows that ended like abruptly. Like yeah. there wasn't really a finishing for it, but or, so it had like two or three seasons. But everyone was watching that damn show. It came out of nowhere. I mean, I literally don't remember what it was about. I just remember Kevin Bacon was yeah, in it. a cult following or something. I I watched you know episodes here and there but that's only because my parents were watching it and they're not ones that really watch tv so yeah that's how you know everybody was watching it emma bell am i getting her name right emma bell emma bell is in it and we know her from final destination 5 yeah yeah the final girl in that movie and you kind of know what you're getting with emma bell like she's certainly not the 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 greatest thing in the world but she's also Mm -hmm. not terrible great um so she's fine she's fine in it and and there's Kevin Zegers. Yeah, man. Airbud and Dawn of the Dead. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of these actors, you know, had starred in, you know, some horror movies in I like, their past. <laughs> I like how you said Airbud and then it's Dawn a of the Dead. It's a classic. Of course I'm going to mention Airbud. Airbud it's a fun little movie, man. It's a cl- it is a classic. Uh but yeah, this is a good this is a decent movie. It's uh if you don't like skiing and you're afraid of heights, this movie will terrify you. Um and it's 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 got some good gore. Like, they, you know, yeah. they really do a good job. The director here, Adam Green, yep. uh, does a really good job getting under your skin, man. You know, he, 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 he hits the right notes when it comes to that. Right, yeah. I've always said it's really hard to, you know, film a movie in one spot for 90 minutes. And, yeah. you know, he was able to do it without me feeling bored at yeah. all, really. Um, well, you and I were saying, it, 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 ironically, we, we didn't say this until we, we sat down here, but we both had it written down. It gave us a lot of open water vibes. Right. Um, I do think Open Water did it a little bit better than this movie. I enjoy that movie um, more. I think Open um, Water might be a little bit more realistic. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't ski. Yeah. My name's not Trent. I don't. I don't do that shit. <laughs> I'm more of a homebody. Um, immediately, dude. I got, and it's not just because Emma Bell's in the movie, but I got immediate Final Destination vibes. Right. Uh, you know, in the in the first few scenes before they even get onto the ski lift, uh, but it, you know, it kind of has like that campy tone. The acting is feels very similar um, to what you would get out of a Final Destination movie, and I don't mean that in a bad way. In fact, I kind of sometimes it's good to watch a movie like that where you know what you're signing up for. You're not looking for like Meryl Streep to yeah. make an appearance in this movie. Yeah, right. I agree. And we do get an appearance from Kane Hodder, the fucking man. Yeah, uh, he actually does a lot of work with the uh, director of this movie, Adam Green. You know, Adam Green. Uh, got his start by doing Hatchet mm-hmm. um, and Hatchet 2, I believe, which stars Kane Hodder as, you know, some backwoods killer. It's not really my cup of tea, that movie, um, you know, but it's a typical slasher movie from, you know, 2006. There's lots of gore, not really a storyline, uh, but it's a good movie. Um, Adam Green also did work on the Friday the 13th video game. Uh, he did the storyline for that, so... Uh, he's he he has a good history of um, you know horror movies and uh, his IMDb is pretty impressive. He hasn't really done much lately, and I kind of wish he would. Yeah, 
the cool thing about this movie, like, it's really effective psychologically. To, for me, it's like I was playing in my head. I was like, at, you know, at what point? At what point would I jump? You know, probably not as soon as Dan did when he snaps both his legs. Which I can watch like every Saw movie and every gore, but I cannot deal with legs breaking. Like that's like if I'm watching sports and I see an injury, I have to yeah. look away. I I can't deal with that shit. I've just always been so queasy with that. So that scene. Like got me good. Never seen that Sean Livingston injury. Yeah, I have. Yeah, have you it seen fucked it? me up. I yeah. was like twelve years old when that shit happened. Yeah, but uh, no, really, in my head though, when Danny jumped, I I actually said I probably would have done it at that same time. Right, because you, you just rem- figure that you're landing on snow. Yeah, you know. And if you remember, it's right after Kane Hodder drove away. Right. So that was like kind of you know almost your last hope a little bit. Yeah. And then, um, I but in my head, dude, I swear to God, like I was thinking, trying. It, it can be hard, but try not to go leg first. Yeah. You'd rather fall on your stomach. Yeah. At very worst, you're going to maybe get a concussion and be knocked out for a little bit. Right. But yeah, I mean, the, like the last thing you wanted to do was go leg first. But god damn, that was you'd rather you, you would rather land on your arms, if anything. Yeah. Than, you know, once you break your legs. And I kind of like how, you know, this movie shifts tones into kind of, it's not a wolf movie. It's kind of more a movie about like wilderness and, you know, like climate, but... You know, but then the wolves become kind of like the uh, antagonists of this movie, and yeah. you know they're avoiding them the whole time. The uh, wolves are something that you're not thinking about. You know, the first half hour of this movie, and then you know the rest of the way, you know they they become the main bad guy, if you will. And Zegers is pretty good, man. Like when he breaks his legs, it's he does a pretty good job selling it. He does, um, yeah. Because there's that initial state of shock. Of obviously, you know, you can't even your brain can't even comprehend what the hell just happened. Right. And Dan, dude, does that like that scene like made my stomach hurt? Yeah, um, so I watched it this week for the second time when I knew that, you know, that's what we would be covering. Um, I had to walk out of the room for that scene because I knew it was coming. You know, the first time I watched it, you know, it just caught me off guard and I'm just there holding my fucking knees the whole time, just like uh, clenching my legs. Uh, I, I, I had to walk out of the room. It's brutal, man. And then the wolf comes and they're able to scare it away, but then it comes back with its buddies yeah. and, it, and, it's, and it's game over. But I'll tell you what, they never showed, unless I missed it, they never showed the aftermath of the wolves killing him. You know what I mean? Like, they never they never really looked down. No. The, the camera never panned to, like, there was no blood on the snow. Right. It's, it's weird that they didn't show what was left. I, I know there's probably nothing left, but there had to be blood. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking that, too, because by the time Joe gets off, you know, the ski lift to... He's, he's the second guy that jumps down to uh-huh. try and get help. You know, there's nothing there. And I figure that he's just covered in snow by that point because there was a storm. So I figure that there's yeah. that he, it's just buried in snow. Right. That's that's what I got from it. Yeah, that's a fair point. But, you know, they also probably ate, ate all the meat to the bone. Yeah. And then after he dies, I think I actually think like one of the best scenes in the movie from an acting standpoint is when uh, Emma Bell and Sean Ashmore, their characters, start blaming each other. I think it's pretty good. I think uh, those two definitely have the best chemistry. Um, yeah. You know, with those three, I didn't think the acting was anything special. Um, no, no, it, I also kind of got like a gay vibe from the two friends, Joe and Dan, just a little bit. Like it's kind of like the same vibe that me and you, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that we give off to each other, oh, like a little yeah. gay. Yeah, I I really liked uh, Parker's character and Joe's character because they fight and they make up and you yeah. know, like there's like like the main reason why they're there is because of Dan, who's dead. Yeah. You know, it's Dan's girlfriends and Dan's best friends. So there was never really a relationship with those two, and they kind of have to bond. And 
your find first, a way out. Your first time going into the movie, did you see it playing out that way, or did like did what like what were what were your expectations after seeing the beginning of the movie? Did you think all three of them would kind of be in there up until the end? Did you think Sean Ashmore because he was the third wheel? I just always feel like that. The female always lives. You knew, I kinda, yeah, that was yeah. Kid, that was for sure. Especially because like she's like the scared one. Yeah, you know, they always end up living. Um, I didn't think that uh, Dan's character would die so soon into the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's kind of the first to jump ship, and he doesn't let you know. And after breaking his legs, he dies maybe what ten minutes later. So he, yeah. he's really not in the movie long. Uh, so I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting at least one of them to die, uh, but not two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought for sure uh, toward the end when Joe was sliding down the uh, the mountain and the wolves were ch- I, didn't, I, I didn't think he was going to die. Like I know the wolves yeah. were chasing him, but I really didn't I was see watching that. this for the second time and I forgot that he actually died. I actually yeah. was thinking he lived the whole time, um, you know, but I was wrong. The worst acting of the movie, by the way, is that scene when Joe is going down the mountain and the wolves are chasing him, <laughs> and Emma Bell goes, "Joe." <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty bad, dude. It actually made me laugh, but yeah. So from like a character standpoint, obviously this movie's not trying to, you know, they're not not trying to do a whole lot with the characters. It's not why you're watching this movie, but I do think Dan comes off as like a like what people think college kids are like, you know, right. like a stereotypical college kid. Obviously, Emma Bell's character and Sean Ashmore's characters, uh, Parker and Joe, they are obviously a lot more fleshed out because the movie spends more time with them. And so I feel like they, you know, they felt more real to me for obvious reasons. You know, I agree. They're, they're given more development. But yeah, for me, like, you know, from a character and an acting standpoint, that was the highlight, seeing the chemistry between Sean Ashmore and Emma Bell. I thought they were pretty good at uh, conversing. I think Joe's like the unsung hero in this movie. Uh, they don't show his death. And I guess it makes sense because then, you know, she finds his body. I guess that was supposed to be like a surprise. But um, yeah. the reason why she lives is because the wolves are occupied with his death dead corpse instead of going after her yeah so you know he kind of sacrificed himself in a way whether that was like intentional or or not but you know i i see his act uh, you know as an act of heroism not heroin heroism (laughs) i think that's the first time i ever said that word in my life good on joe for being the hero and kind of sacrificing himself for parker to live and i guess she jumped because she 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 knew he uh, wasn't coming she assumed the wolves got you got him Yeah. yeah Because at first I was like, wait a minute, why is she jumping? Like, why isn't she just waiting? And then I right. remember the wolves actually were chasing mm-hmm. him down the hill. So, And I think at sense. that point it's been like two days on a ski lift. I I think I know they spend the whole night, yeah. and then I think they spend the whole next day. So, yeah, at that point she didn't have much time left. How about the scene where she pees herself? I, I've been tell- I was always saying, um, like, why aren't they just pissing their pants? It would make them warmer. Yeah. You know, like they're... You know, like they're talking about like peeing over the seat. I'm like, just piss your pants. It'll feel good. Yeah. I mean, I, I always do it. <laughs> you just did it a few seconds ago. I did, yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm inside my house. <laughs> I, you know, the, like I saw a lot of cris- criticisms on, this is just Wikipedia, but like, you know, critics were critical of the script. But it's also like, what do you, I mean, what do you expect? And like, yeah. you're, you're filming a movie in one setting. It's really hard to write a script for a movie like this. It does a decent job. Like, and even the even after Dan dies, like we do learn a little bit more about him, right? Which kind of like in retrospect makes his death feel. And then they start playing the uh, blame game on on each other, and Mm -hmm. you know, and like there's tension there, and it's hard to build tension with you know two characters in one setting. And I think Adam Green did a really good job at it, you know, and 
this movie's obviously more of a thriller, and his yeah. other Hatchet movies obviously a strictly a slasher. So I I would love to see more from him and see what else he can do. Like I think he would be good if he you know was behind like a Final Destination movie. Yeah, I, I, he seems like one of those guys that would get that role. This movie felt like it was inspired by the Friday, it, right. and I'm, I just really mean that in, in in terms of the tone. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, like, if I had one criticism for this movie, it's not a huge criticism, but if you have 90, this is a 90 minute movie. If you have 90 minutes to piss away, like I would argue this is almost a little, it's almost a t- little too, uh, heavy hearted to go back to a lot. Like yeah. if, if, like if you're just looking for a movie to piss away 90 minutes, like I would recommend almost other than, uh, the fourth entry in the final destination franchise, I'd probably recommend all others over this movie. I agree. If you just want like some mindless bullshit. Right. I agree, and I probably would pick Open Water over this movie. Um, yeah, Open Water is seventy nine minutes. Wow, it's like it really the same concept. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so it's fourteen it. minutes less than this. So I, I do think this movie could have been, you know, five to ten minutes shorter. Even though it's only ninety three, so I'm not complaining about that. But it definitely could have been shorter. Yeah, I haven't seen Open Water in a long time, but man, that's a, that's a scary movie. It's yeah, I think it's a little bit more effective than this movie, but yeah. not to say that this movie is. You know anything bad? It's nothing great, uh, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, if you're a horror fan, I mean, I don't like I don't know how many people really know that this movie exists, but I, I recommend it. it it's, yeah. it's worth your ninety minutes. For I mean, sure. when we were talking about ideas for this episode, and we came up with um, um, isolation, and uh-huh. you know, like we were talking about like The Shining and some other stuff, but you know, I think The Shining's so good that's kind of we'll save that for an episode on its own. Uh, yeah. But this is like the definition of an isolation yeah. winner movie. Yeah. Um, this, uh, premiered at Sundance, uh, and then it went on to open, you know, only in like the major cities in, in a couple theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it opened in like a hundred something theaters. Uh, still did pretty good for the box office, uh, 3.8 million, uh, got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics and a 46% from the audience, which kind of seems crazy. I, yeah, it's, it seems like it'd be a movie that. I mean, I I personally thought that like this movie would be like sixty percent from the critics and audience. Mm-hmm. I don't get why the audience score was low for this movie. A little strange. Um, it's it's hard to find the budget for this movie. I couldn't find it. Yeah, so, so that's weird. why I didn't even bring it up. Um, I'm assuming it's nothing huge. It's probably in, yeah. like the one to two million dollar range. That's not uh, often. That's not often you can't find a budget for a movie, especially from 2010. It's not yeah. like you know this is from the 70s or you know so. Um, yeah, there's no budget listed. I'm I'm assuming they did pretty good with that 3.8 million, and then yeah. you know it went on to uh, the DVD in uh, September of 2010. It was released, so I'm assuming they you know made some money there. And guys, it's on Hulu, by the way. Yes, so it's it, on Hulu. Check it out. Yeah, highly recommended. 93 minutes. Check it out. I mean, if you're a horror fan, it's 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 well worth your time. By the way, when this when this premiered at Sundance, Mike, people, I don't I don't know how many I don't know how many people it actually was, but apparently there was reportings of uh, faintings. Yeah. People fainting. Well, it premiered in uh, Utah, I think. I th- or I, well, it premiered at a Sundance, but there were reports of people fainting at a Utah theater. Is that what it was? Okay. And I think that's like a big skiing. So people can like relate to that more. And I th- and I think this movie was actually filmed in Utah. I was just going to say that. I think um, you're right. Yeah. So you know, it probably hits closer home to those people than you know, if someone in Florida watching this movie who's <laughs> yeah. never seen a fucking ski lift. I guess it would be, uh, yeah, Florida can relate more to Anaconda. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, That's more like an open water crowd. <laughs> the uh, I, I guess the fainting probably stemmed from the, the legs. The broken legs. It has yeah. to be, right? Yeah. And um, 
another queasy scene is when she wakes up with her hand frozen to oh, the, damn. and then the frostbite is kind of, you know, like it's a movie that kind of makes you, that makes your bones chill a little bit. So, yeah. cause it's, cause it could happen to anybody that skis. Really impressive thing about this movie is there was actually no green screen. There's no green screen. Yeah. Or CGI. They were really filmed up there that high. So that's, that's good. I mean, I can appreciate that. And, you know, like uh, Kevin Zegers is such a, is such a method actor. He actually jumped and broke both his legs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, that's funny. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, obviously this movie's not super realistic. I read on, there was, like, a fact on IMDb. It said, ski resorts send lifties to inspect lifts at the end of each shift in order right. to prevent this very thing. You would think that, like, they, you know, that, like, they're numbered and you have to go, you know, you have to let it, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, yeah, n- neither of us ski, by the way, if you can't tell. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not something that you pick up in like your 30s uh, if, <laughs> yeah. you you know, if you haven't done it your whole life. I'm, I'm fine on my couch watching uh, football. When I, a lot of the times during the movie, you know, I was thinking, like, how big of a lawsuit would this ski resort have on their hands? Uh, they would get a couple <laughs> mil. I mean, uh, more than that, dude. It would be big for sure. That's that's all I would be thinking about the whole time if I was up on a ski. I'm like, all right, if I can just make it out of here, I'm gonna yeah. be so fucking rich. Yeah, you have a nice payday. But uh, yeah, man, check it out. Ninety minutes or ninety three minutes. It's well worth your time. It's on Hulu. It's called Frozen. Uh, if you're if you're squeamish, proceed with caution, I guess. And then once you watch this, check out the uh, prequel. It's also called Frozen. Yes, starring Chris and Bell, made by Disney. Moving on to uh, our next winter isolation movie is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Which is actually another nickname for my penis. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Also directed by John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, was this your first time seeing The Thing, Mike? It was. Uh, you know, um, I've never seen any of them. I never saw the you know one from the 50s. Never saw the 1982 one. Never saw the 2011, which I thought was a remake. It's actually a prequel to this. Yeah. Um, they took a page out of Leatherface's book and made, right. made a prequel to a classic for some yeah, fucking reason. which was no need for that. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was looking at like the titles, and I couldn't believe I never saw this movie. You know, It was directed by John Carpenter. Um, Dean Cundy, who did the cinematography for Halloween 2 and Halloween 3, he did this movie. And Dick Warlock was... Um, the stunt coordinator for this movie, and he was obviously Michael Myers in Halloween 2. No shit. My, my personal favorite. Yep. I didn't know that. He, he that? did the stunts for this movie. So it has a lot of Halloween feels for this. And then I'm listening to like the soundtrack of this movie. It sounds like Carpenter, right? Dude. It's yeah. clear, and, and, and it's not. I know. But they definitely tried to get the Carpenter tone for this movie. When I was taking notes for the movie, I wrote down score, you know, not classic Carpenter. I wrote down something like classic Carpenter oh, score, and then I looked up. You, I was like, "Oh shit, it wasn't even not, Carpenter." Yeah, and it's actually one of the first movies and one of the only movies that he that he didn't do the score for. Um, but when you were listening to the music for this movie, like you got some Halloween three vibes from it, right? Definitely, man. And by the way, the composer is Anio Morricone. Probably not saying that right, but he's an Italian composer. He actually just died in 2020. He has over 400 film credits. That is a lot of uh, movies. That is, you can say that because you're Italian. Yes. It's uh, not racist. But yeah, the score. Uh, so just to get a minor complaint out of what, out of the way since we're talking about it, I almost feel like the score wasn't used enough. Yeah. You know? I Yeah. That's that very, very minor complaint. Yeah. I, I would stop bitching if I were you. <laughs> Let's go back 
Tell me, I mean, tell me what you think about the movie. It's your first time seeing it. I've seen it a handful of times. What did you think? So this is John Carpenter's personal favorite movie. Um, it's not not my favorite from John Carpenter. I don't think it. Uh, I think Halloween was still better. So I went in with a lot of expectation for this movie. Uh, you know, it's was a bomb when it first came out, but yeah. we'll get back. We'll we'll get to all that at at the end. You know, mm-hmm. but like this movie is on so many lists of you know greatest sci fi movies of all times. I didn't feel that way exactly. Um, I thought it was a good movie, not great. Uh, kind of found myself not paying attention to it in the beginning. I thought it was kind of slow. I do think there are a lot of chilling scenes, especially with the doll kettle scene uh, when we first oh. get to the thing. You know, because it's one thing to see humans die. I can give two shits about that, but when you involve dogs, yeah, that kind of makes me angry. Kind of, kind of like makes my palms sweat a little bit because you want to see them live and yeah. You know, those poor dogs. So that scene really fucked me up. But, you know, I think this movie is like a six, like a 6.5 to 7 out of 10 for me. I, I thought oh, it was wow. pretty good. That's yeah. a controversial take. But man. you know why, though? I came in this movie expecting this to be like a 8 or 9 out of 10. And, mm-hmm. I you know, it was okay. What what I'll say is, like, for me, it's 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 a... It earns a very high grade because of the pr- the practical effects are insane. They are for insane. For, for 39 years ago, I will just, give them that. Just fucking insane. And also, like, um, the atmosphere, dude. I mean, it's a... I don't think there's any... There's not a whole lot scarier out there than being stranded on another continent, like Antarctica. Antarctica of all places. You yeah. can't just get up and leave. So, I mean, the atmosphere to me is very effective. Like I said, the practical effects are top-notch. I mean, that, that, that it's like a milestone in horror for that, for that reason. It is. There are so many times that, you know, especially with um, the scene where the guy's head falls off. I've seen that yeah. so many times in my life, but I never knew what movie it was from. So I, you know, so I saw it, you know, in, in this movie and I turned into like that uh, Leo meme, you know, where he points at the, yeah. at the screen like, oh, I've seen that shit before. Uh, so, you know, there's some iconic things about this movie. Um, I do like the aspect of like the who done it. Or who who is it really? Yeah. Feel, but um, the thing about that though is, I thought the thing would be in one body the whole movie. Like I knew kind of what the plot was of this movie. I, I don't like how it jumps from person to person because then you kind of lose like the suspense. I kind of wish it stayed in one person the whole time and they were just trying to figure out who it was okay. instead of jumping person to person. Uh, that's my you know that's kind of my gripe about it. It's a tense movie, though, and I I, I like I, I I understand your thought. That's a valid that's a valid argument, I guess. But I just think um, uh, the the tension and like the suspicion. So the two main the two main themes of this movie, and I'm I'm taking this from the internet. This isn't really my opinion. I think Carpenter um, alluded to this. It's it's paranoia and mistrust, not being able to trust anybody, and right. you don't know who's who's you know who's a humanoid and who's actually human. And I think it's I think it's effective. I think Kurt Russell's great, man. He is really I, good. I think he's. Do you agree that even though maybe you're not as high on the movie as I am, do you think he's like a, a, one of the pillar protagonists? Oh yeah, and he's so damn good looking. Uh, I mean, I think he's a good looking guy now. Just him forty years ago. Oh my god, <laughs> especially with that beard, which like took him a year to grow. Yeah, I read that. I, I like <laughs> I like in the movie how he didn't. Uh, you know, like he ruled with an iron fist. Like he did what he had to do. Like he shot that one guy in the fucking face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he really gave no shits. Yeah. Uh, he did what he had to do. He took matters into his own hand. He it's a it's a really really good character. Kurt Russell. I agree. Cool. Yeah. He he's a good uh, lead in this movie, and he and he actually 
is like the lead in all John Carpenter movies and all like you know the Escape from New York, Escape from LA. He's yeah. I think he's been in like five or six John Carpenter movies. I think the acting overall is really good, actually. I mean, I, and you spend a lot of time with these people. I'm just realizing, that, and I'm realizing it now that there's no females at all in this. There's movie. no females. So it's at all male. So it's kind of like a yeah alpha male theme yeah. movie, you know, where they don't trust each other. Who are some of the famous actors, Mike? You got Keith David in there. You have Wilford there's Wilford Brimley, Wilford who's Brimley. the oldest fucking looking 48 year old ever. He was 48 when this movie was made. Was this, did you think? Did he have diabetes at this point? I don't think he did have diabetes yet. But this is, is pre diabetes. <laughs> this is pre diabetes. I I don't think he had his uh, famous mustache yet. Okay. But he's 48 years old. Holy shit. Do you think- he, he looks like he's fucking 78. Yeah, how's that possible? It's a, It must have been the uh, the uh, the uh, diabetes. <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, Keith David, who I think is really good. Yeah. Uh, he's Childs, I believe. What's that? Is he Childs? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. But um, the the characters feel really fleshed out. Like, they, they, feel very, they feel very real and natural to me. Like, they just feel like guys. Just a couple dudes chilling in out in yeah, Antarctica, just, like they, you know, they drink their scotch. They're, uh-huh. you know, they're there to do some, you know, some science work and shit gets fucked up. How about that classic scene, dude, where where Norris transforms and he takes the doctor's hands off? Yeah, that's great. That, that, that was one of my favorite scenes. That's unbelievable. The, the effects in that scene alone are like uh, an, an accomplishment. And then I love the, the tension of the next scene where Kurt Russell makes all of them draw blood. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, the whole time I'm thinking that Kurt Russell is the thing because he's the one you know that's you know bossing people around and he's given all these commands. Mm-hmm. He's you know, and they eventually do think it's him and lock him in uh, the storage room or in the fridge. I forget where it was. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, uh, I really did think it was him, but it just goes back to me wishing that it, it just that the thing stayed with one character and they're kind of just knocking out characters one by one and it's the wrong person mm. and that just makes more mistrust so, so you were surprised at were you surprised at how little you liked the movie i, I know you don't you, you like yeah, it but i actually am i mean i couldn't find it anywhere so i actually ended up buying it on my tv for like 13 bucks um and you know i'll probably watch it maybe one other time in a couple months but i think i expect a lot more you know from how many lists this is on like on IMDb. This has an eight point one, and fans ranked it uh, like number one eighty one all time. Um, all time horror or all time all time movie. Okay. Um, Empire ranked it as a two hundred and eighty ninth best movie of all time. Uh, Complex had it as a ninth best movie of the nineteen eighties, but as the best horror genre remake of all time. Um, and I found this pretty interesting, and I agree with this. Um, Empire said it had the 43rd best movie poster of all time. It's cool. And that had me thinking of like some good movie posters, but that movie poster like drawed me in. It's I think awesome. I, I think that's a great poster. Agreed. Uh, can uh, you think of any movie posters on off the top of your head that are the best of all time? Let's not think of let's just like stick to horror movies. Um, you know, because we're a horror podcast. Jaws comes to mind. Jaws is a great one. Jaws comes to mind immediately. As far as slashers, what's the best poster of all time? I will tell you that um, as uneven as the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is, they, they have some good posters. Yeah, that's a great poster with yeah. uh, Nancy. Well, if uh, we're talking about part one. The original, yeah. Nancy, uh, she's like um, shivered up with the covers. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty scary. I, I also think Scream had a really good one, too. As like it's as much as it's not really talked about, 
And of course, there's Halloween with the the knife and the pumpkin is yep. legendary. But John John Carpenter knew how to make a damn good movie poster. The master of horror, man. Um, and it's crazy, that, like like you like look at his uh, history and all of his work. Um, Halloween's really the only slasher movie he's ever done in his life. He's always yeah. kind of gone towards like um, action, sci-fi, uh, you know, like mystery. He's never, you know, he's never really done slasher. I guess Halloween was, you know, his only one. And I guess that's why he always said no to Halloween 2, Halloween H2O. Yeah. He's really not, he's really not a slasher guy. He's more of a storyteller. By the way, they, they're, um, they're rebooting this movie. I've heard that, yeah. yeah. And Carpenter is involved. They don't know what, he's not directing. Really? Not directing, obviously. But they, he's going to be involved in some way, whether he's just a producer Maybe he's sco- maybe, maybe he's scoring. Soundtrack, it. yeah. Like he'll probably do what he did with Halloween eighteen. Yeah. Maybe this movie. So whenever Carpenter's involved, it immediately gives you hope. Yeah, and yeah. like there's some yeah. like uh, credibility there. Obviously, this movie is very bleak. It is very like if you're looking for a movie with optimism. <laughs> yeah, that's don't, not it. Don't watch this movie. Then uh, watch Frozen, the uh, 2013 one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they literally tell you Mac. Who is Kurt Russell? Literally tells you how this movie is going to end, you know, with like ten minutes left. He basically admits defeat. He says there's there's no way they're getting out of Antarctica. Yeah, but they're not. But they're taking the thing with them. Yeah. So like they're going to die, but they're but they're going to kill the thing. Because the thing was going to kill in the entire population. I think I th- I think they said that this thing could overtake the world yeah. within years. Uh huh. And the movie does not overtly t- overtly tell you that uh, the two remaining men die, but that was my interpretation. That's 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 what I got from it. And how I could they possibly? I, I did think that was a great ending. Me too. A great way to end it because how how else are you going to end a movie where they realize that they're going to die? Bleak end into a bleak movie, and sometimes mm-hmm. I sometimes I just like movies that are that are a drag. Right. I don't know why, but so at yeah. the end there, so Mac and Nalls are left, yeah. and I like how they're just you know sharing a bottle of scotch at the end. Yeah, it's like they know what their fate is, but they still don't trust each other. It's just, I think it's a really solid ending. I read a fan theory, and this was never confirmed by Carpenter. Carpenter never said what the ending means. To me, it's pretty simple that they die, but there is like a theory out there that Mac is Mac. He's real, uh, but that Nalls was taken over by um, the humanoid. And the reason being, when they're talking, Mac, there's there's breath coming. You can see his breath, mm-hmm. but when Nalls is talking, there's nothing, there's, nothing. Com- there's nothing coming out of his mouth. Ah, uh, nice. Okay. Uh, so that's just like a fan theory, which is interesting. So why do you think this movie was so shit on? Upon its release, because this movie was not popular one bit when it was released oh, in 1982. Yeah, not at all. Um, you know, I read a lot about it online. Uh, Carpenter seems to think so. Back in 1982, America was in a, a pretty bad recession, mm-hmm. and people did not want a movie that had such a nihilistic, pessimistic viewpoint. Like I said, it's a very bleak movie, and Carpenter said a lot of people. Uh, were turned off by its tone because a lot of people were already struggling financially and emotionally and all that. Um, and then it was up against some really good like some uh, classics. Yeah, and not classics in like other genres. Like sci-fi. these were all sci-fi movies. Like this movie was sandwiched in between some sci-fi classics. Dude, dude, this was released the same day as Blade Runner. Yeah, and two weeks before was E.T. Yeah, and like that's an alien movie with a good family message rated. PG, so you can bring the whole family to. Carpenter alluded to that, that E.T. showed alien invasion like in such an optimistic, fr- right. family-friendly way. Right. And here he was basically saying, you know, the world is fucking... Yeah. We're in, we're in bad shape here. We have to kill ourselves in order yeah. to save the world, yeah. But it came out, dude, Blade Runner, Conan the Barbarian, Star Trek, uh, Wrath of Khan, 
Mad Max 2 came Culture out. Geist. Yeah, all in the same summer. And again, the same exact release date. As and, I, and I wrote a note down. I was wondering why they released this in June in the middle of all those movies. Like, I think this would have benefited a lot, you know, with a January or February release. And I mean, I like know that, you know, this was a big box office movie with $15 million budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think they kind of screwed themselves with you know, a June release in, in the middle of all these blockbusters. Yep. You know, and it only made $19 million at the box office. You know, it's a $4 million profit, which, you know, when you're making a, you know, a big-time movie, $4 million profit is almost like a loss. $15 million budget, like you said, 1.5 of that went to the uh, the creature effects. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's worth it's worth mentioning his name. Uh, Rob Rob Botton is the, was the special effects guy for this movie. Did a great job. Hats off to that guy, man. It was fantastic uh classic stuff but yeah i mean people like and this is just one of many people said it was instant junk right you know it was it was called the most hated film of all time by a magazine cinema fantastic it's like a sci-fi magazine yeah but dude i mean to say this movie was not popular when it was released that that is an understatement right but what I don't get is, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes score is solid and the audience score is solid. So I think people did maybe enjoy it, but the people that hated it were screaming that they hated it. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, and from word of mouth from those people that were shouting how bad this movie was, that could have, you know, fucked with the box office and why this bombed. Do you know? It's, it's got an 85% from critics and a 92 from the audience. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, I came in I came into this movie thinking it would be the perfect movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a pretty damn good movie. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to shit on this movie. Yeah. I just don't think it was as great as I thought it would be. No, you're just being honest. Yeah. Did you know um, Carpenter got bought out of his universal contract? Because of this movie. movie. Right. And he lost a lot of confidence. He said he was really down on himself. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. John, John Carpenter. And now and then, it's looked at as one of the best. You know, and we uh, did a Twitter poll the other day for, you know, John Carpenter's birthday. And we asked, you know, what's your favorite John Carpenter movie? You know, and, and this one overwhelmingly, I I thought Halloween would hands down have it, or maybe The Fog. Yeah. This uh, got the most votes, you know. Yeah, box office failure and it almost this got three votes career. on our Twitter, and that and that just killed the rest of the competition. Look at that, yeah. Thanks for voting, everybody. <laughs> Dude, do you know who was initially tabbed as the director? And the writer for this movie was it Toby Hooper? It was Toby Hooper, and his old friend Kim Henkel was supposed uh, to be nice. writing it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Carpenter came in. The producers weren't happy with Hooper or Henkel, their, you know, what, what their vision was for the movie. Yeah. So the producers scrapped them. And then there was other people attached to it. And uh, Carpenter came in and said, like, all, all prior scripts were awful. Yeah. And he said, he said this in 1999, so way after the fact. And, and, then, and that included, uh, you know, Toby Hooper and, and Kim Henkel's vision, who obviously, you know, brought us Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. And and it makes sense that they brought in John Carpenter. He was the hottest name at the time. He's basically yeah. he's basically what like Mike Flanagan is now. What he was, you know, he right. he was coming off Halloween. I think he did The Fog in 1980. Mm-hmm. He he did something else in 1981 that's over my head right now. Um, but he was. But the point is, he was a hot name and a hot guy. God, he's hot. But well, it's cool to see. I mean, <laughs> I fucking love John Carter, man. Come yeah, me, me too, man. Me too. It's cool to see, you know, what what you got with such a small budget in '78, and then like, you go from a, I don't know what the fog was, but 15 right. million dollars. That's got to be equivalent to what, like 200 million now. I'm not good at maths. 
But uh, the the movie almost had a happier ending where Mac got rescued, and not only did he get rescued, he then like they did a blood test on him and he tested negative. Yeah. So the, there were there were multiple working endings, and I think the studio kind of wanted it to end a little happier. And Carpenter was like, "Nah." Well, that's good for Carpenter. I mean, yeah. that dude is a you know he always has a vision for what he wants to do. I think, I think that's why he kind of always has like a distaste for all the Halloween sequels because he yeah. had a vision for Michael Myers just to be he gets shot off the balcony at the end of the first movie and you never see him again and mm-hmm. that's it and that's his legacy. So you know that's why he never was a fan of the of uh, the sequels because his vision for his movie was yeah. that. And then you know studios get involved and fuck with his work. Speaking of the sequels, Tom Atkins was a late contender to play yeah. Mac. I, I saw that. Kurt yeah, Russell. There, there were um, a lot of names that were up for Mac, but yeah. I think Kurt Russell was the perfect choice. I, I think he. Me too. But don't, couldn't you? Couldn't you also see Tom Atkins doing it? I could. Yeah, I think he was a little bit older at the time. He yeah. probably was. Is uh, Kurt Russell was only I, I think thirty when he shot was this he movie. Was he that young? Well, I, I guess Tom guess Atkins that, would have been sense. like yeah. Yeah. I think Tom Atkins was like fifty. So I'm I'm glad they went with a younger sexier Kurt Russell. So let's let's go back and give our grades, man. I, I never gave a grade for Frozen. Yeah. So how are we doing this? Uh, one out of ten, we give it a letter grade. Yeah, uh, let's go. let's go one to ten and you can you can use decimal points. Oh I fucking love yeah, my decimal let's, points. Let's, let's get fun with some decimals. I um I don't know. I don't know where to grade Frozen. I, like I like I said, I think if you want to watch a mindless quick ninety minute movie, you can this probably isn't the movie, and it's also not great enough to be like an elite thriller. Right. So it's somewhere in the middle, which I don't really think is a good thing. Uh, you know, I would give it like a six, six. Good. That's yeah. I I think that's what any reasonable person that enjoyed this movie would put. I don't think anyone's going to give it a nine, eight. No. You know, high eight. Because um, if a five is average, it's better. It's better than average. Right. My opinion. Um, yeah. Um, I saw this movie for the first time. I'd say in like the winter. Of 2018, I watched it again just last week. So I'll probably watch this movie once every two or three years, yeah. you know, on par. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll give it a six point nine. Ooh, all right. <laughs> this is a family. This is a family friendly podcast, man. Yes. Uh, the th- you know because you know sixty nine. <laughs> uh, the thing I'm going a lot higher than you, man. I think. What did you say? You said. What did I say? I said this would be between. I'll you know I I will give this a seven flat. Okay, I'm I'm at like an eight eight. I just just because I think I, I guess I'm a sucker for classics. Like this is a it's a it's a it's a yeah. it's a and landmark. You, and movie. you know what? I don't think you have to explain yourself. I, I think I'm the one that really should be doing the explanation because this is a damn good yeah. movie. I think I just went in with a little bit higher expectation. Sure, especially with like the opening credits with the awesome music and then seeing John Carver's name. I think I was I was honestly expecting like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Okay, and I got a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's for me. It's like a landmark in, in practical effects. Right. It's a landmark. And, you know, at, I'm probably being atmosphere. Unf- I'm definitely being unfair with when it came out. I'm I'm thinking every movie should have 2020 effects. Uh, you know, but the effects in this movie are fucking awesome. Yeah, really. And the soundtrack stuff. is fucking awesome. And the atmosphere, man. They you really get the true feeling of being mm-hmm. trapped. Like you're not getting out alive. And and blank. you know what? I think I would appreciate this movie a lot more if I go back and watch like the 2011. The thing, and yeah. if I, especially if I watch like the, I don't, I don't even know what year the first one came out. Was it nineteen fifty eight or something? Uh, I fifty one. Nineteen fifty one. Okay, I, I think I would appreciate this movie a lot more if I go back and watch those movies. Right. And I think if we did like a remake versus um, original episode, like this obviously would be number one. Yeah, I don't think there's like any hands down, and then I probably would have 
and I would give this like an eight point eight, just like yeah. you did. If if I if I was comparing this to the other movies, which we might do one day, because that's actually that would be fun. Yeah, to we come back. Uh, nineteen fifty one. The it was actually called the Thing from Another World. It was a loose adaptation of the nineteen thirty eight novella from mm. John W. Campbell Jr. Carpenter's version is actually more of a accurate adaptation. Yeah. Of the of the novella, apparently. I just think that. This movie is definitely like ahead of its time because you saw yeah. all the people that hated it. The director of the 1951 movie hated this movie. Yeah. yeah. So, and just because they weren't ready for those effects and those gory, you know, yeah. they they uh, looked at it then as, you know, smut, you know, just yeah. gore, you know, no story, just. It's almost like the effects were literally too good. Yeah, you know they were. Yeah, put people like, off. Like they weren't ready. For, you know, those those people born in the nineteen twenties watching this movie just weren't ready for that shit. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, back man, in my like, day, you know, we had Charlie Chaplin <laughs> with his stick. Uh, the the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> the reboot that is it's still in early development. It was I think it was confirmed in August. It's a Blumhouse production, by the way. Is it? Sometimes that's good. That can be promising. That can be shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, it depends who they have helm that project. I think will determine how good that movie is. You know, I, it has to be radar. I I think if, if we see it's PG 13, that's kind of the first sign of it. Definitely. Sucking dick. You know what? They're pretty good with that these days though. That PG 13 horror was so in, in like the middle two thousands, yeah. Like that's when like we first turned like when, like thirteen. I mean, we went to the theaters all the time when yeah. we were thirteen, fourteen, to, to 15. catch like uh, Darkness Falls and like and like the Boogeyman. When and, a stranger calls. When a stranger calls. Shit yeah, like that. What are some PG thirteen horror movies now? Just to compare. Like I'm thinking of like Happy Death Day, like I yeah. mentioned earlier, which is pretty good. You know, so I think they have more of like a comedy feel if you have a PG thirteen. I was just gonna say that I think the PG thirteen horror movies these days have a totally different tone. Right, like fifteen years ago, they tried to make a dead series. Yeah. It's like, like, why are you trying to make this serious movie for a thirteen year old? You know, just kind of just make it as goofy. You know, Chelsea is a Chelsea's a ba- she was a babysitter back when that movie came out, When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. And she took she to this day says that's one of the scariest movies ever really? for her, for her well, personally. Well, that's why we fired her. Yeah, that's why nah, she's not here. <laughs> and I can see that, you know, because it goes. Actually, no, I don't see it. Chelsea, you're wrong. You ever come on my fucking podcast again, we're going to have major problems. That's a remake, right? Yeah. Uh, Carol Kane uh, was the original babysitter. I think it was like in 19... That was like during the Halloween days. I think that was like 1977. Interesting. That was actually right right before Halloween. So Halloween may have copied a little bit of the whole babysitter theme mm-hmm. from that movie. That would be a good original versus remake episode. Yeah. Speaking of original versus remake, next episode is our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. And we are going to have an original versus remake of My Bloody Valentine. Yes. And I will tell you right now, I've, I've never seen the original. Really? Yeah. No. Um, I think it's on Hulu. So anyone listening who wants to listen to that podcast, yeah. watch it and listen to us. And then after that, we're going to bring back our little mini series discussing winter isolation movies. And this will be a Stephen King edition. We'll be discussing The Shining and Misery. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. It's always good to watch some classics. Yeah. And then after that, we'll, we're into St. Paddy's Day season, and we'll be talking about everybody's favorite horror franchise, Leprechaun. Hell yeah. <laughs> Warwick Davis is a fucking genius. Yep. So good stuff coming up, guys. We appreciate you listening. How do you want to end the podcast, Mike? <laughs>